On today's episode, we're going to talk about how a brand can leverage content experience to tell their story, hip hop, and pizza from France. Let's go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Blind Entrepreneur. I am your host, Jonathan Grzbowski, and today I have with me Ross Simmons. He is a serial entrepreneur who has created multiple brands. He's the founder of a content marketing agency, Foundation Marketing, that helps brands create and distribute content more effectively. The content he and his team have created have been seen by millions on channels like Reddit, SlideShare, and even Instagram. On top of that, he's a co-founder of Crate, a content creation tool for marketers along with Hustle and Grind, a lifestyle brand for entrepreneurs with a community of over 100,000 people. Amazing story. Cannot wait to get into it today. Uh, but Ross, before we begin all of these amazing questions and finding more about who you are, we have to start the podcast off the same way we do every single time, and that's with an icebreaker. So are you ready, Ross? I am ready. Throw it at me. All right. So imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Where are you going to eat and what are you going to order in order to make your day complete? Ooh, that is a good question. That's a great question. I love it. Um, so where am I going to go? So I'm going to go to this small little restaurant that I found four years ago uh, when I visited uh, France. It was this pizzeria. It was a mom and pop shop. Uh, they were just like the the mom and pops were like there serving us. Uh, there was nobody there, but it's very quaint. And I would go there and I would order uh, their like special pizza, which was just like fresh, uh, fresh dough, fresh cheese, fresh Parmesan, all of the works, uh, and a nice cold bottle of Chateauneuf de Pap. And that would be amazing way to finish my day. That sounds awesome. And you know, you would never expect a pizza joint to be in France. A good it's one. True. A it's good true. one at that. Exactly. It's true. <laughs> Italy, baby. Not so much in France, but I found it and it was it was spot on. I fell in love with that place. Very cool. Well, Ross, thank you again for answering that question. Uh, without further ado, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what is your story? Definitely. So like you said, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've always been obsessed with creating businesses and creating things of value. It all started for me when I was a young pup. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, me and my sister, like everybody who went to high school, cared about your, your parents. Uh, so you wanted to look good. You wanted to have the cool clothes. And every year, my parents would take me and my sister back to school shopping. On one trip, we were happened to be in a hairdressing salon spot where my sister was getting a bunch of stuff for her hair. Um, and I walked into the back of this hair salon and I came across do-rags. I don't know if your listeners are, remember do-rags, but do-rags were huge in the 90s uh, where like Eminem was wearing them, Jay-Z was wearing them, everybody wore a do-rag. Uh, being from Canada, do-rags were very rare. Like you couldn't find them everywhere. So when I seen these do-rags in the back, I looked at the price tag and they were selling for $1.50 a piece, but at most stores they were actually selling for 15 So I asked my mom if I could have all of my back-to-school clothing money to buy a bunch of do-rags. So I bought every do-rag I saw, and they had every color of the rainbow. They had green, camo, blue, yellow, purple, you name it. They had all of these different colors. So I took them, and then I brought them back to school, and I started selling them for five bucks. So I was the dude, a do-rag 
kingpin um, in high school, just selling these do-rags, uh, making a great amount of money for high school kind of uh, days where I was able to buy lunch, I was able to buy pops for everybody. Like life was good. Um, eventually people caught on that I was <laughs> charging like five times the amount that I was buying them from and that business got shut down. But that, that was the moment when I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur for like the rest of my life. I would love the idea of creating value for people and delivering it to them uh, in a convenient way. Uh, and what also brought it home for me was this idea that my grandfather had ran his own paving company and watching him have the flexibility of entrepreneurship to kind of guide his own destiny uh, was something that always inspired me. So from there, uh, the, the rest is kind of history. In university, I ran a fantasy football blog because I didn't like what I had to read uh, in English class and I was like I'm doubling down on something I actually care about I don't care about Shakespeare I care about what Ladanian Tomlinson is doing so I was writing about sports that blog kind of gave me that transition point into understanding okay the internet is probably going to last I was living in my parents basement people were reading my blog from all over the world uh, and I was getting to a point where the blog was actually starting to pay for a portion of my tuition so when I got to that point I was like okay the internet is going to be what I'm going to double down on I'm 18 years old 19 years old people all over the world are trusting me for their fantasy lineups like I can actually leverage this so I started a marketing blog wrote the marketing blog for the past 10 years or so that's kind of what transitioned as the views went up on the fantasy blog the marks went down so my mom made me shut that down uh, which has eventually led me to creating the marketing blog and that's kind of been my 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 stomping ground for the past few years. So rawsimmons.com started as a way for me to land clients as it relates to marketing services. Um, and then as that business grew, it became Foundation Marketing. And Foundation Marketing is a service company that works with startups, B2B brands, enterprise companies to really help them leverage content marketing to tell their story online. So that's the development of eBooks, blog posts, things of that nature um, to really tell their story. Yeah, before we get into what it is that your businesses actually do, uh, I'm I'm curious about risk taking. Has that right. been a constant thing throughout your life? Is constantly taking risks? I mean, uh, five dollars to a kid uh, back yeah. when you were young, and then being able to say, "Mom, give me all the money that I wanted for back to school in order for yeah. me to buy these do rags." Um, right. You know, is that a consistent theme throughout your life? Yeah, I would say that there's, uh, I've definitely embraced calculated risk. Um, I, I rarely, I don't like to, I'd say I'm a risky person. I'd like to take risks, but it's always calculated. And without question, don't get me wrong, I've taken some risks and I've failed. Um, I've launched businesses that have fallen flat on, flat on their face. They just haven't been successful. But they are definitely, um, there's definitely something in me that enjoys that excitement and idea of taking risks. Uh, I quit my job when I was just putting a down payment on a host. Um, was just about to get married like that was a risky slash borderline crazy decision um, but it was something that I wanted to do and I had to do and I calculated it by a simple fact I've lived on Raymond noodles before if I can get one client who's going to pay me enough to live like a student I'm okay doing that as long as I can pay for my mortgage so um, definitely uh, have embraced the idea of risk because I think that when you get uncomfortable with things in life that's when you get the chance to like be like a video game and level up a little bit uh, so yeah I definitely push myself to um, be risky and take some big chances on a regular basis and sometimes it's bitten me for sure totally love the analogy of leveling up uh, great great <laughs> words of wisdom um, now let's transition and talk a little bit more about the the business and the services um, right. I, reading your bio understanding a little bit you following your story personally um, there's a consistent theme of storytelling so why is storytelling so important to you 
Yeah, so it's important to me because I think at the core, storytelling is what influences culture more than anything in the world. And when I say culture, I'm not talking about just the sense of like a corporate culture. I'm talking about on a national, global scale. It's the stories that we hear when we're a kid that influences our realities as adults. It's the stories that we read and the messages that we consume as adults that influence our perceptions of the world. So I believe that at its core, all we are as humans are people who experience the world around us and tell stories about what we are experiencing and as we experience these different stories it's on us to analyze those stories and determine what we're going to take away from them to move forward with and influence our the rest of our lives so I really love storytelling because I think that it has such a significant influence on culture on people on personal growth on our perspective and it can do a lot of great things in the world while it can also do a lot of bad things as well mm. now give you a scenario and you can help me fill in some of the gaps right entrepreneur trying to launch a business or even a entrepreneur who is uh, has employees and trying to leverage the network what are some mm. core ways that you found that has been successful for you, for you that we right. can take in order to uh, tell our story so I think one of the key pieces that I would um, that I've found success with is the fact that everybody's trying to sell something these days, right? Like everyone is trying to sell you their ebook, their course. They're trying to sell you on uh, their actual product, their service. What the world actually needs is people who just teach. And when you teach, you deliver value to someone. And when they have, they associate value that you're providing them with your brand and with your story, then they're going to be more likely to buy from you. So rather than always trying to sell, I recommend that you try to teach uh, your target audience, a few things about your industry, a few things about your product, a few things about how they can improve their life in general. And they're going to associate that value that you're providing them with your brand. And it's going to increase the likelihood of you selling. So for example, with, with foundation, we give away a lot of free information on how to leverage a blog, how to create video content, how to leverage your Twitter account. We do all of that stuff for free. We're just teaching the masses how to be better marketers because our target audience is marketers. And if we can help them be better in their job, they're more likely to come to us um, as an expert, but also as someone who they can trust to help them get over a significant hurdle for their content marketing efforts. With Hustle and Grind, it's the same thing. We know that we want to teach entrepreneurs how to be better entrepreneurs, so we deliver that content for free on our website, and as a result, they associate that value with our brand, and it elevates us because of that. Mm. So you have three core businesses, um, yeah. you know, Create, Hustle, and Grind, and then your, your agency, Foundation Marketing. Are you using similar techniques in order to grow each of these platforms, or do, do they each have their own little unique thing that works well? Right. So they do have unique things about them that work well solely because they have different target audiences. So if you think about like foundation marketing, we're talking to the CMOs, the CEOs, people who run the company with crate. We're talking to social media managers, uh, communications, people who are on the ground managing social media accounts. And with hustle and grind, we're talking to anybody who could be a freelancer, could be a entrepreneur. It could be somebody who's just getting started with their business. So with that, we recognize that every audience is different. And then you have to reverse engineer what types of content those people want on a regular basis and then generate that content for them and also go to the communities in which those people are spending time. 
So we noticed that entrepreneurs were following tons of Instagram accounts for inspiration and motivation for hustle and grind. So when we recognized that, we said, okay, how can we leverage this trend? How can we leverage Instagram as a way to connect with this audience? We can do that by reverse engineering the fact that everybody on Instagram who they're following is simply sharing a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio with some text over his face. If we wanna take this to the next level, why don't we invest in illustrations that go above and beyond the status quo? And by doing that, we were able to see our followers grow by 10,000 people every single month uh, from the moment that we started rolling out these deep illustrated content. So I think that what entrepreneurs and what marketers and people in this space really need to think about when they're thinking about their target audience is reverse engineer where they're spending time, what type of content they're consuming, and then 10x that content uh, and just take it to the next level. And when you do that, you're going to stand out amongst the competition. So now I'm, I'm, I'm even more curious to hear about, number one, when I asked you the question of like who is, uh, how did you determine the content and you immediately yep. stated who your target audience was. Right. Was that something relatively difficult for you to understand? And, and, and yep. then my follow-up question to that is um, how are you able, how are we able to understand our target audience so then we can actually yep. tell the proper story? Yeah, so with foundation and with hustle and grind, it was relatively easy because I knew exactly who I wanted to connect with, who I wanted uh, to kind of work with from a foundation perspective. And with hustle and grind, I knew who we needed to help. With Crate, it was a bit more challenging because we were creating a SaaS product. We didn't really know whether we had product market fit and we didn't know exactly who it was that was going to find the most value out of this tool. So when we went to the market, what we found was while we started out thinking it's going to be VPs of marketing, it was actually the social media managers who wanted it. And we were able to come to that conclusion based off of um, looking at and talking to customers. So when we started to see people signing up, we started to have an automated message that would go out and it would be like, hey, this is directly from Ross. Hey, thank you so much for signing up with Crate. I would love to schedule some time to chat with you and learn why you signed up for this, who you are, what you're all about, and how I can make your time with Crate more successful. And then people got back to us and I started to realize these are all social media managers that are signing up for this product or one-off entrepreneurs who have the job of managing social media but also a variety of other things. Um, what I would recommend people do when you're trying to find your target audience is start by talking to your customers. Start by talking to your leads, start by talking to whoever it is that you think you're trying to connect with. And then once you've done that, start to do an analysis about who causes you the most headaches and who causes you the less, the fewest. And if there's an audience that is signing up and paying you that doesn't cause a lot of headaches, then that's your ideal customer. And you double down on them. You don't want the person who's going to um, pay you $5 a month and just be constantly nagging you and asking you a bunch of questions. You want the person who um, is seeing great value in what you're offering, great value in what you're delivering them, and doesn't need a whole bunch of hand-holding and isn't going to nag you consistently for, for extra support that goes above and beyond what they're actually paying you. So you have your, we'll talk about the SaaS platform for, for a brief moment. <laughs> yep. um, you have the content. Now, how important is the content versus the actual experience of the of the SaaS platform itself? It's huge, right? So it's huge. So with Crate, um, the SaaS, the product itself is, without question, uh, the the make or break moment. So we can create all the great content in the world, but if people get into Crate and they're using it and they don't enjoy that experience, then we're we're missing out significantly. So a few months back, I did a significant um, redevelopment of the entire onboarding experience with Crate, me and my co-founder, and what we essentially found was that people 
we're really not truly understanding how to use the product. So we only were able to come to that conclusion by one, talking to customers, and then two, having being humble enough to recognize what we built wasn't working. Um, so it's time to go back to the drawing board. We need to reconfigure the way that people are getting into the product. We need to educate them more. Uh, and product is so important. Uh, you can create all the great content in the world, but if the product isn't actually delivering value to people, uh, you're not going to be able to be successful. And that's something that we are constantly thinking about. Like we're, we're still very early stage with Crate. Uh, at the end of the day, we've we've got users, we got people who love the product. But for us to get this to where we want it to be, we have to be so focused on delivering value uh, that it's a never it's, ne- it's a never ending journey essentially. Mm. And so, you know, using I I, I take it um, you're using not only the brands that you're you're doing, but you're leveraging your own personal brand. Has your right. personal brand been a success? Has it been more successful than your actual? you know, uh, organizations brand itself. Right. So, yeah, I would say at one of the big, um, struggles that I encountered was the fact that I went to the market as rawsimmons.com rather than to the market as foundation marketing. So rawsimmons.com still generates more traffic, more leads than any of my other products. Um, and that's solely because I've been blogging for years. I've gotten slideshare decks that have been around for years. Um, and I have been an employee before, right? So when I was an employee, I was also building up my personal brand. So it was always Ross Simmons being pushed out there to the world to see. Uh, and it, and it's now at a point where I have a team around me that I need to elevate everyone else. Uh, it can no longer be just the Ross Simmons show because it's not just me. I have a great group of people who are helping with the execution of creating content for clients, uh, the ongoing updates around the hustle and grind community. That's not just me. Like we have an awesome team of people around me now. So it's no longer just Ross Simmons. It's foundation marketing. It's great. It's hustle and grind. And it's the, the group of us going together, uh, to deliver value to the world. So what would be some of your lessons that you've learned over the years as a content marketer then? I've learned lots. So it from from the outside looking in, a lot of people look at it and they're like, oh, Ross, you're, you're killing it on social media. You're killing it on Instagram, on Reddit, and all of these different channels. But I've learned a lot of lessons from a lot of failures over these, these years. Um, one thing that I did that kind of just blew my mind looking back at it was I'm somebody who likes to experiment with channels every single year. So every year I set a goal to capitalize on a new channel. A few years ago, the channel that I was going to crack was Reddit. Because when you talk about Reddit, every marketer gets the heebie-jeebies. They're like, oh, you can't market on Reddit. That's not something you should do. Um, I was like, no, I can I can figure out how to use Reddit. So I took all of my blog posts and I go into a subreddit called Our Technology and I just started submitting all of my content to that community and I just pushed it all in because I knew that that content was great on my site. People loved it. If I submit it to this community, they're going to love it too. What happened? I got banned. I was blocked in like two seconds uh, from this entire community and I was like, this sucks, right? Like this is brutal. I'm, I'm done. Bye, Felicia. You're out of here. So I had to go back to square one and figure out how to crack Reddit. Now, most people would have walked away and said, yeah, people are right. You shouldn't touch Reddit. But instead, I went back to that reverse engineering idea. I sorted all of the content on different subreddits by the top posts. And when I did that, I started to get a better understanding of what type of content people actually gave upvotes to because that content was clearly what those communities wanted. There was a huge gap between what Redditors wanted and what marketers thought they wanted. And I made the same mistake. I was giving Reddit what I thought they wanted instead of giving them what I knew they wanted based off of insights. So one of the biggest takeaways for me 
in my entire career is study the people in the audience that you're trying to create content for. Look at trends around what content they share, what content they consume, and then just simply try to develop content similar to that and just take it up a notch. And when you do that, people love it. Um, I've been on the front page multiple times since then because I understand and know the the fact that top posts are constantly a signal for marketers to figure out what it is they should be developing. Mm. So you, you, you brought up a good point of looking at trends and looking at things that are, are top uh, top successes within the Reddit page or even Instagram newsfeed or Facebook or you know this, that, and the other. Um, right. Something that I'm constantly seeing in my feed are people who are trying to copy the peop- the, the likes of like a Ty mm-hmm. Lopez or like a Gary Vaynerchuk, right. right? You know, that signature that he has with yeah. like a really cool motivational quote. Um, right. So understanding and, and studying all of that, right. how do you then make the content your own? Right. Be better. That's what I say. Like, be better. Everybody, the, the me too approach sucks. Let's be blunt. Like, it sucks. Everybody can see when you're just trying to be Ty, you're trying to be Gary, you're trying to be Tony Robbins. Everybody sees through that. Be yourself, first and foremost. And if you're still trying to figure out what yourself is in your own vibe, that's okay too. But stay true to yourself, right? Like if you look at my content, I'm always making references to hip hop. I'm making references to Rihanna. Like you'll see me talk about a variety of different things. I have one blog post that's titled um, three headline ideas that are short of work, 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 work which is a complete play on Rihanna's song. Nobody else is doing that. Um, and that's kind of like becoming a part of my thing around like me just staying true to who I am. I love hip hop. That's It's a part of my DNA. Um, so I think that people need to start there. Understand who it is that you are, what you're all about. Don't stray because you see that people are starting to embrace this, this philosophy, this idea that somebody else is doing. Put your own stamp on it. And when I say put your own stamp on it, I don't mean just changing the signature to be your own. I'm saying like figure out a unique creative angle that you can take that tells your story in a way that's compelling. Um, I think that that's going to be the key. We see too many, there's too much me too, me too these days and not enough people embracing their own uniqueness. Uh, and you can see the same thing in like the music industry. Like, But that's a whole different, that's a whole different podcast. Uh, but yeah, it's like a, a thing that's trans, it's transcending from the music world into like this entrepreneurship and personal branding world where you can see the people who stand out. Like if you think about Prince back in the 80s, he was completely different. Um, nobody was doing what Prince was doing. And I think that Marketers, people who are trying to build their personal brand, need to think similarly around kind of differentiating themselves from the market. Interesting. So you're you're basically recommending that you know the princes of the world, uh, the Rihannas of the world, uh, who are somewhat controversial in their time and claim to fame, to right. uh, leverage what it is that they're doing that's made them successful in order to use that against for your own content, right? Right. Exactly. Like stay true to yourself um, and be like authentic never like stray away from your reality and your your beliefs um but put it out there people want to know who it is behind the pixels and everybody knows that behind the pixels you're not just another gary v like we know that so just embrace who you are and double down on your strengths Mm. you i do want to ask very briefly at least about uh about hip-hop and and how you've been able to actually gain inspiration because i think it's so important that whatever it is that you are you have to be able to keep going to that place whether it's music or you know youtube or whatever um why has hip-hop influenced um your life so much 
For sure. So like for me, whenever I'm working, I listen to hip hop because I think there's nothing more inspirational than hip hop music because it's a lot of the core of hip hop was about going from essentially zero to 100, right? That whole philosophy that if you can come from nothing and make yourself something, then that's, um, that's what the music and that's what the core values of hip hop was all about. It was about the struggle and breaking out of it and achieving success and, and creating the life that you want and bringing up your team with you. Uh, and I think that those core elements of hip hop um, still ring true in a lot of the music today. And when you can use that for your own inspiration, it's just a constant reminder of, okay, it might suck right now, like putting in the grind, putting in the work early on might be a bit of like, it might be, it might suck. But at the end of the day, you're pushing yourself towards that goal, that dream, um, those aspirations that you have for yourself. And I think that that's one of the most important connections that I have with hip hop is how aspirational it is around kind of always moving forward rather than kind of sitting on your laurels. There's a, a great line, I believe Jay-Z said it. Um, or, it was actually Biggie. So Biggie said, um, treat your first like your last and your last like your first. And he's talking about treating every single day like it's your first day at work, like it's your first day on the job because no Nobody hustles harder than they do on their first day. And you should always have that mentality. And that's just something that um, is a part of it that kind of constantly sticks with me around the idea of giving my best. Mm. Now, I believe uh, Nas said that hip hop is dead. Do you believe <laughs> that hip hop is actually dead or is it dying? It was when Nas put out that song, but right. it's coming back. It's coming back. We've got a lot of great people rolling through the game now. J. Cole, Kendrick, um, J. Electronica. Like we've got Gambino, even if he, even though he's more funk than hip hop. Uh, like hip hop's coming back. I think that we're getting back to a a stage where there's a segment of hip hop that might be mumble rap, and they can't really rap, and the hip hop world is kind of meh. But like, there's some great artists coming out now with Kendrick and uh, J. Cole, um, even Meek, even though we diss Drake and that kind of thing. His latest album's pretty good. But like, yeah, no, I think hip hop's coming back. It's definitely not dead. And even Nas, like Nas is um, about to roll in a new album and his piece with Ke with uh, DJ Khaled was solid. So I'm excited for his album. And not to mention, he's also a VC. So it's true. It's true. <laughs> he's a straight hustler. So, exactly. But I, I have one final question about hip hop, just because I'm curious. As a, <laughs> as a Canadian, yeah. Does your allegiance lean towards Drake and is he as popular Definitely. as he is there as he is here? Definitely. Definitely. I feel like like he's ride or die. Like people are yeah. on him, on his like have his back no matter That's what. True. In Canada. I think, uh, yeah, no, 100%. He put Toronto on the map. He put the six on the map. So um, I have no hate towards Drake. I think that he's done an amazing job with his career. Um, I love what he's done for the city. Um, I think he's a great ambassador for uh, Canada. I mean, we were we were at a point where Bieber was going to be our, our symbol <laughs> and then Drake passed him. So I'm good with it. I'm completely good with it. <laughs> nice. And as a marketer, tying it back to business, as a marketer, he is... Absolutely oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. He just locked in like uh, his new, um, I think it's a, I think it's a spirit of some sort. I forget what it's called, um, but he, it was ranked like number one um, among spirits in 2017. So uh, yeah, he's doing some great stuff. Very interesting. So now that we have a good foundation of, you know, some techniques and who you are as a person, right. I want to learn a little bit more about who you are as a, as a business person, I want to learn more about who you are personally. So For sure. something that is so important to me are habits. So right. what are some habits that have um, made you become more efficient throughout your day? 
Right. So I've got a lot of different habits that I embrace, but without question, one of the most fundamental elements actually starts on Sunday night. So every Sunday night, um, after kind of hanging out with my wife and doing the like hanging out with friends or whatever that may be, it's time to kind of like walk, like end the weekend essentially. What I typically do is I go into the office, I pull out a notepad, I open up my calendar, and I look at what's on deck for the entire week. And then I go through my calendar system in my uh, in iCal, and I actually block off time for things that need to be done from an execution standpoint. Uh, and I plug those things into my calendar. So if something isn't in my calendar, it usually doesn't get done. And if you don't lock something into my calendar at the beginning of the week, you're probably going to be looking at next week uh, for finding time in my schedule. So what I always do is I plan out my week, make sure that everything is locked in as it relates to calls, um, meetings, things of that nature. And I do that every Sunday night to ensure that the rest of the week is a productive one. I've made the mistake once in a while of not doing that. And then I just find myself looking for things to do rather than being um, very particular and, and linear with my efforts. So uh, I think that that's a key piece of my habits. Um, another habit that I have is I have these things called Wired In Wednesdays where uh, every Wednesday I actually block off a good chunk of my day where I put in my headphones, listen to hip hop, and I just wire in and get things done. So I don't take any phone calls, I turn off my phone, I turn off email, and all I do is execute and get things done, send out email emails, manage, um, manage the actual creation of content, things like that. So Wired In Wednesdays has been a, a big part of it. And then one thing that has changed my career as well has been just constantly making sure that I'm getting some type of physical activity in every single week. So uh, that could be going to the gym, that could be going for a run, that could be doing yoga, that could be playing a game of dodgeball with a bunch of friends. Uh, like it's just a constant effort to get out of the computer chair uh, and actually just be physical and be moving around. Uh, so that's another piece that it allows me to kind of clear my mind and ensure that I can uh, um, get back on track. There's a, a quote, to keep your grind right, you have to keep your mind right. And I completely believe in that. So that's why I've been investing time in things like yoga and going to the gym and going for runs and things like that. Awesome. Yeah, I love, love all of that. Um, very important. So you do you have um, like your team, right? Your internal team. Um, yeah. Are you guys mainly remote or is it all within an office or? Yeah. So I'm a big believer in remote work. I think that uh, when I was working the nine to five, the biggest thing that drove me insane was the fact that I, I didn't live right next to the office um, and driving in a car for two hours a day completely killed me. Like it, it drove me insane. Um, so I didn't, I don't want my, my team to be subjected to that either, where they're forced to sit in a car or sit on a bus for two hours commuting from place to place. So I believe that remote work is going to be the future. I think that leaders can um, embrace remote work by just over communicating with their team. I think that there's some great tools out there that allow you to have corporate culture uh, like Slack, um, Soapbox from Wistia. Uh, there's tons of apps and tools that allow you to kind of Google Hangouts, Skype. Like it's so easy now to get that face to FaceTime and build a culture. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're all remote. We're spread out all across Canada. We've got some people who are in Europe, um, two people who are down in the US, and we're just like constantly looking for, for great talent regardless of where you are. And that's the other thing. Like You can attract the best talent when you don't have an office because you're not forcing them to kind of get up and uh, move their entire life. And you found it relatively easy, is it, uh, to communicate with these guys and, and make sure, or, and, and, and girls, of course. Um, yeah. And, and I guess, is that more so a tooling uh, system that you have, or is that just like your personality? 
So it's definitely not my personality. I'm somebody who is like, I might come off as like this super extrovert online, um, but I'm like a put in my headphones and let me work kind of person. So it is very intentional uh, to be an over communicator when you're working remote. So I block off time, like I said, in my calendar where it's like, check in with the team, check in with the team, make sure that uh, you're um, putting up new content in the Slack channel, record a video for everybody to get a reminder about like the values or um, reiterate this point. Like I'm constantly reminding myself of the types of things I need to be communicating to the team because I find that that's where a lot of remote companies kind of fall off. They they don't invest enough in uh, the communications with the team and keeping things transparent. So we also have a Trello board that shows all of the company's goals, all of the individual tasks that need to be accomplished, and it's very transparent. So the team can see how much we're making, the team can see uh, where traffic is, the team can see what I'm doing, what I'm not doing, what I'm dropping the ball on, and they can ping me and say, Ross, you haven't done this. Uh, and that's what I want. I want a culture that uh, facilitates everybody knowing what everyone's doing, but everybody helping each other get closer to achieving the overarching goal of the companies. And that has that has uh, proven to be successful for you, just being having that level of transparency? It has. It's uh, proven to be successful for us so far. Um, we've been growing consistently month over month. Uh, the team corporate culture has been going well, no turnover yet, uh, and everything has been going great. Like We're still early days, so there might be turnover over time, which is can be expected. Um, but like at the end of the day, so far it's been pretty good. And we take a lot of inspiration from the t companies and the organizations who have really set uh, the path for this. So if you look at the 37 signals, you look at Buffer, uh, you look at um, some of these big brands who have been able to do it and have embraced remote work. I think even GitHub is remote. Uh, you can see and understand uh, like some of the core culture elements that they've used and then just inject them into your own business as well. Yeah, totally. No, I love that. I mean, you've given us my, my next follow up question was uh, what are some resources, but you've already nailed about like, I think you listed rattle off like 10. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so yeah. I'll make sure that we go back and get put all of your, your tools and resources in the show notes. Um, you know, Ross, my, my last major question to you, and maybe we'll get some more questions based off of how you answer this one. Um, but the blind entrepreneur, this podcast was actually created for individuals who may be temporarily blind in business. They may right. not be able to see the obvious. They may be stuck in mm -hmm. a particular place internally. So what are three yeah. pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? Yeah, so this is a great question. And I think that uh, every entrepreneur at some point in their life, even if it's happening when they're 16 or if it's happening when they're 45, goes to a point where they have that like, uh, they're stuck, right? They have that stuck moment. Um, and I think that the best way to get out of that stuck moment is to take action. And when I say take action, I don't want this to be very fluffy and say, okay, but what what's my action supposed to be? So what I would say is you start by just talking to your customer, right? Like start by talking to the people who you wanna connect with, who you wanna sell to, and learn about them. Because in those discussions, you're gonna have the opportunity to do one of two things. Either you're gonna learn something that you didn't know before about who it is you're trying to sell to, or you're going to find an opportunity where you can upsell that person on more services, more products, more things that you can deliver, which is going to impact your bottom line. So I think that talking to your customer is an easy action that everyone can take. And you can fill out your calendar for an entire day that just says, okay, I'm going to talk to one of my customers every 30 minutes. And if you're a local business, it's even easier. You say, I'm going to go to this coffee shop and I'm going to sit here for the next seven hours and 
Every hour, I'm going to have a new meeting with somebody local who I wanted to talk to about my business. And then at the end of that, you're going to do step two, which is you take action based off of what you've learned. So that action that you take could be to follow up with each of them with a sales pitch. It could be to follow up with each of them with a simple thank you. Or it could be to reconfigure your entire business model because they shared with you an insight that demonstrated something that you didn't know before. The next piece from that is to double down on the act of actually learning how to kind of um, scale your business. So the third piece of all of this, after you've talked to your customers, after you've learned something about them and have a, a next step, the next piece for you is to kind of reverse engineer a business or someone who has done what you wanna do and has actually achieved success. So once you've done that, you're scaling out and figuring out what it is that they accomplished and figuring out how they got there. Um, and then you study it, and then you replicate it, and then you just double down on doing day in and day out until you're able to look back and say, I did it. Very nice, awesome. And and you know, there's, uh, I, I wanna, uh, we should have uh, answered this question before, but you keep saying reverse engineer. It's a term right. that I use I say all the time, I know what it means, but mm -hmm. in your definition, in your terms, how would you define reverse engineering? Yeah, so reverse engineering to me is the idea of looking at um, a specific end result. So an end result for this could be like, say, I don't know, Lyft or Facebook. And then what you do is you go from um, the ground up. So you're looking at, okay, where did they start? They started at a university. They rolled this out to all of these campuses. Um, how did people start to hear about it at first? You start to look at what it was that allowed them to get to that success point that you're trying to achieve. Uh, so reverse engineering to me is really just taking apart all of the different steps that led to success. Uh, and I think that you can do that for people. You can do that for businesses. You can do that even for relationships. And when you do that, you can find some amazing insights that will show you the way that you need to take uh, to kind of achieve success. Because at the end of the day, I really believe that there's no problem in this world that people can face that somebody else hasn't faced before. And if you're willing to invest time in reverse engineering other people's problems, other people's success, you can find solutions that can get you to where you want to be in life. Absolutely. And well, eloquently stated, uh, a lot of wisdom, a ton of knowledge. Every time you answer these questions, uh, you know, you could just tell the experience that you've had and, and the successes and, and potentially failures that you've, ex that you've had in order to answer these. So Ross, thank you so much for your time and really appreciate it. You successfully complete the podcast. So I like the, it. <laughs> the rest is yours, man. So 30 seconds, even take a minute if you want, look into the camera, tell people how they can be a part of your journey. How can they follow your story and potentially sure. become a client uh, of, of, of yours? Definitely. So I would say definitely hit me up on Twitter. It's the easiest way to find me at the coolest cool pro tip. If you create a Twitter handle when you're in university, it will stick. Uh, that is why my Twitter handle is still that I am actually much more humble than my Twitter handle comes off. Um, but definitely find me there, but also rawsimmons.com. So you can find me on rawsimmons.com. I share free insights, free tips all the time, as well as you can find my products, hustlinggrind.com, getcrate.co, uh, and reach out to me. Whether you have a question about entrepreneurship, you have a question about content marketing, hit me up. I'm always happy to connect with people from all over the world and just share some of the lessons that I've had. And John, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Really appreciate it. My hat's off to you for helping the blind entrepreneurs kind of see the future and understand how they can take their businesses to the next level. Thank you so much for contributing to the ecosystem of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship uh, with all that you do. So my hat's off to you, man. Thank you again for inviting me and I hope your guests enjoyed it.
Absolutely. Thank you, man. That really means a lot. Uh, to those who are still watching and listening, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Uh, I Not only do I post all these... Uh, yeah, exactly. Hit the button over there. Uh, <laughs> not only do I post all the, the podcasts on YouTube, but I also vlog. Um, currently... Uh, going through it, documenting my entire process of a new company. So feel free to go ahead and check it out. Um, also hit me up on any social media platform, the last name Grzbowski and Jay. Um, everything you've heard today is going to be in the show notes and to watch more videos, head over to the Ross, thank you so much for your time until next time. Everyone have a great rest of your day and an even better tomorrow. Thank you so much for watching this video. Don't forget to follow me on any and all social media platforms using the long last name above, followed by the letter J. If you want to get lost into the dark abyss of YouTube, click either left or right for another video. And finally, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. No, seriously, don't forget.